What is up, everybody? Welcome back once again to the AC Pod. Shout out to this as always. I'm Christian, sitting along with my co-host Alex. How are you doing today? This fine afternoon, my friend. Doing great, man. Got some got some good eats next to me. Just you know, ready to dive into some some football talk and looking forward to these divisional games this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a very packed weekend of football, a lot of interesting games to look at. But before we get into reactions from Wildcard Weekend and a little rant on my Seahawks, as many people have seen yesterday, James Harden was traded to the Nets for a huge haul of pick and players. Obviously, he clearly wanted to get out of Houston after everything that's gone on lately. We saw at the press conference after the Lakers game, him saying, I can't win here forcing himself out of there at that point. So want to get your thoughts not only on James Harden and the way that he forced himself out of the situation, but also his fit on the Nets. I think we talked about it like in the first podcast episode when he was kind of, you know, going through the initial trade demands and, and, and all of that. And I didn't anticipate the situation getting as ugly as fast as it did. But yeah, like you said, after that Lakers game, forcing his hand and basically just, you know, telling the organization and his teammates that he can't win there. He doesn't want to want to be here. Made them accelerate the deal and basically get way less of a haul than what I feel like they could have gotten for the caliber of player that he is. His fit on the team. I think is rather interesting. It's definitely going to be one of those wait and see kind of situations, but I don't think we've ever seen a trio of legitimately elite scores, especially one-on-one scores like we're going to see. So it's definitely going to be a little bit of a chess piece kind of kind of deal, but I definitely see them playing the my, the my turn offense because you got three guys who have a legitimate mismatch on them nine times out of 10. It's definitely something that you can take advantage of, but it's going to be wild to see who's going to be the one that takes the back seat. And I think that's going to be the biggest key is who's going to be comfortable. It might be a night in, night out kind of thing where they might rotate, but who's comfortable being the, okay, it's not my night kind of guy. Yeah, I I think the fit is really interesting, like you said, because I don't think Kevin Durant's going to need to take any backseat. You know, he's not going to be deferring at all because he can play off the ball a little bit. He's not as much of a ball dominant player. He can be a spot up catch and shoot, you know, pick and pop type player. So I think he'll still be able to get his, you know, averaging 30 a night like he's been doing. I'm not worried about him, but it's more the Kyrie and Harden dynamic. Who's going to handle the ball late at the game? One of them can play off the ball a little bit more. Obviously, we've seen both of them as huge ISO dribblers, one-on-one players the last actually since both of them have been in the league. So seeing how Nash and D'Antoni are able to kind of put those pieces together will be very interesting. In terms of Harden and forcing his way out, I know that the Rockets were on the verge of a trade in the last few days before the Lakers game, but I think that was just kind of the nail in the coffin, just the final straw saying like, hey, I don't want to be here for the long term, so get me out of here. And that was what kind of forced them to make that trade so quickly. So It'll definitely be a a really interesting dynamic on the Nets. I heard that Kyrie should be back pretty soon. So we'll see how that plays out, how long it takes them to get that chemistry going. But definitely should be a very interesting situation. Transitioning over to our reaction on Wildcard Weekend. Obviously, we both had the same picks for all of our games. We went five and one. Um, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on the games before I start to go in on my Seahawks a little bit. Um, for the most part, the games kind of played out the way that I kind of felt they would. Uh, the Bears and Saints game 100% played out in the manner that I thought it would. After you saw the whims drop, they basically waved the white flag and basically conceded uh, 
Titans and Ravens was was a slugfest. Bills and Colts was a pretty close game because the Colts were able to run the ball for the most part and Rivers was efficient. I was actually kind of surprised that Washington put up the fight that they did against Tampa Bay. The biggest surprise, though, was I, I thought the game would have been a lot closer given basically the way that they were almost able to steamroll the Steelers kind of out, out the gate and avalanche that they just weren't able to uncover from that. That was definitely the the biggest shocker from, from this past weekend besides the, the rust fiasco in the kitchen. Yeah, that was definitely very frustrating to watch for many reasons. So obviously, as we know, the Seahawks lost, I believe it was 30 to 20 to the Rams. Rust didn't look good. Offense didn't look good. They just looked out-coached, out-played, out-executed pretty much every phase of the game. It was one of those games where it's kind of, you saw throughout the game, you could kind of see what was going on and you can kind of predict how the game was going to finish and play out. But me being the the optimistic fan, you know, I was kind of hoping that we could get a little bit of a spark towards the end of the game, but obviously it didn't happen. Very frustrated with how Russ has been playing for many reasons. Offensively, he can't seem to make the right reads. As I mentioned in the last podcast before, he's trying to force it downfield way too much. Anytime there's a shot play dialed up, he immediately gets tunnel vision downfield, not looking at taking what the defense gives him like we saw in the first half of the season where he was going through his progressions. The deep shot wasn't there. He'd take it underneath. Uh, that's how we saw how efficient he was during that stretch of the season. So to see how horrible he played, not only in this game, but in the last half of the season was really disappointing. I think it was a combination of things. The Rams obviously have the perfect defense to, to match up against the Seahawks for many reasons. Schematically, the way Brandon Staley calls it, the two deep, uh, having Jalen Ramsey be able to lock DK one-on-one. I mean, he can lock any receiver one-on-one in the NFL pretty much. So and then having Aaron Donald against our below average offensive line, it pretty much is the absolute worst matchup we could have had in the playoffs against any team. So in terms of the, looking at the offense, I don't think that Brian Schottenheimer was necessarily the issue. He was just fired this week. I think that he certainly had struggled with in-game adjustments and kind of game planning for how defenses started to, to play against the deep ball that was so successful throughout the beginning of the season. But as we saw, Russ and the offense just kind of fell off a cliff mid-season. Teams started to adjust a little bit. They saw that deep balls were such a huge factor in us scoring points and our success offensively. So they started to game plan against it. I think Russ started to kind of feel like he needed to force it with the the defense struggling as much as they did early in the season. So he kind of started to feel that he had to put the team on his back a little bit. And that's why we saw all the mistakes, forcing it, you know, trying to do too much, not only in this game, but throughout the back half of the season. But overall, just a horrible game all around. Looking at Pete Carroll's comments on why they parted with Brian Schottenheimer doesn't get me too thrilled about who we might be hiring in the future by saying, quote unquote, philosophical differences. So I know he wants to run the ball a bunch and looking at our success in the back half of the season, it's clear that he did not like how the offense performed there. And he's going to try and go back to running the ball back to the offensive philosophy from the Legion of Boom days, which obviously is not going to work with our average defense or slightly above average defense right now. So Future isn't looking too bright right now, but, you know, we move. You know, not too much I can do. It's just kind of 
part of being a Seahawks fan, you had a high floor, but kind of a low ceiling by the way Pete Carroll coaches. So, yeah, definitely, like you said, a uh, high floor, low, low ceiling with the way Pete Carroll coaches. And then, honestly, I think a lot of the draft choices, I can definitely feel how Seahawks fans feel being an Eagles fan and not seeing a lot of draft choices pan out. But, you know, you want to run the ball more and you got Chris Carson and you draft Rashad Penny in the first round and it just doesn't doesn't really ever click off offensively. And we have, for, like you said, Russ just really didn't play all that great in the back half of the season. But the worst thing that I really saw early on in that Rams game was just how he was navigating the pocket. I know the offensive line isn't a great strength, but you don't do anything to help it out when you hold the ball too long and run into pressure. Like he, he handed Aaron Donald a couple of sacks and, and, and pressures that put the offense in a, in a bad position. So it definitely just wasn't a good look overall. I feel bad for for Schottenheimer as far as being the one that kind of got the low end of the stick as far as the blame and, and losing his job. But, you know, when, you're, when your quarterback struggles the way that it, it, it looked, you know, some somebody has has to go just with the way the NFL moves. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Obviously, with how they played at the end of the season, someone's got to be the scapegoat. Obviously, Russ isn't going anywhere, and they just extended Carroll, um, I think, last season. So he's he's going to be there for the long term, and kind of just kicking Schottenheimer out is kind of a way of saying, oh, we're going to make changes. We're going to try and do something differently. But again, I don't, I don't think it was the issue with Schottenheimer. Obviously, in the first half of the season, we saw how good the offense looked probably the the best it's looked since Russ has been there. So I don't think it was necessarily a Schottenheimer problem, but more of a Pete trying to put his kind of stamp on the offense and the team more than he should be. So looking at the the Ravens-Titans game this past weekend, it was one of the more interesting games I thought. I mentioned in the last week's podcast that I thought the key to the game was going to be who can kind of play gap sound football and be able to contain the running game enough. I and mean, we saw both defenses play very well against the run. They were super sound. They contained Lamar and Derrick Henry. They, they played their gaps. They weren't over pursuing or anything like that. The one long touchdown run we saw by Lamar was on a pass play. Interesting game, but I want to get your take on how it played out. I thought it was going to be close, really, really close, grinded out kind of game. The biggest key was with the Ravens getting Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell back, who I believe didn't play in the first matchup. You could definitely kind of tell just how big of a difference maker that was in their in their run de- run defense and not allowing Derrick Henry to pick up pick up steam and I think Ryan Tannehill is a a very good quarterback from what I've seen this past season but him and Henry they feed off of each other they they kind of need one another to do their part in order for the offense to to be at, at its peak, even though with the Ravens you can do a lot to stop Lamar Jackson and their ground game like you saw in that very very long touchdown run. He just has that game-breaking ability to where you think you got him and then you don't. You think you you have him hauled up and then you play perfect on the back end. You collapse the pocket. You make him uncomfortable. Starts off for for forty plus or forty plus yard. You know, r- rushing touchdown. It's just things like that that are just completely out of your control. And being able to play nice, sound, strong, fundamental gap football and and stopping the two thousand yard rusher was major. It really shocked me with how the defenses had played towards the end of the season to see both of them 
shut down both of those running games. Like you said, with the Lamar play, that's just an elite player making an elite play. There's nothing you can really do about it. Obviously, we know how specially he is running the football. And if there's no one accounting for him, like it was in that situation, and he gets into the open field, it, there's nothing you can do about it. So definitely looks like the Ravens are going into the, the Bills game super hot. So that should be an interesting matchup. But before we go into the divisional round, games. I wanted to touch on the Browns-Steelers game for a little bit because we both predicted that the Browns would win and considering that was a little bit of an upset pick because most people were expecting the the Steelers to kind of steamroll that game with Betonio out and Stefanski not there but to see the way it played out with the Browns coming out to this super fast start and getting an avalanche of points in the first quarter and turnovers so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, it was just one of those games where, you know, an early mistake kind of compounds into this imaginary force that we see all the time when it comes into sports, you know, as far as momentum goes. And then you add the the bulletin board material that Juju kind of provided the team as far as ample motivation. It definitely seemed like they came out ready to play, you know, for their head coach to shut up one of the opposing players. And it was just one of those, they were shot out of a cannon, just them being able to develop that strong lead. It was just too much of an uphill battle to overcome, especially when you see he had to throw the ball 67 times. It's just, that's just not a, a recipe for success in, in today's in today's NFL game. You definitely need some kind of balance. And when you get a strong lead like the Browns had, even though they almost fumbled the lead, when you have two running backs like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt that you can lean on to really, really grind the clock out, it's kind of it's kind of tough to 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 make up that kind of deficit. Yeah, one of the more interesting things that I I saw in the game was how kind of free and loose the Browns played, considering it's a team that has next to no playoff experience. To see the way they played super hard, they were playing super loose, like they had nothing to lose. I mean, they really didn't have much to lose in that situation because they were the underdogs, but. To see him kind of play balls to the wall, free football like that, at the end of the first quarter, it just kind of seemed like that was just their game and that they weren't going to lose that game. And as we saw in the second half, as the Steelers started to get some points, the Browns were just able to respond. They weren't feeling the pressure in those situations. And credit to the coaching staff to take over, have the team ready, execute a great game plan, obviously. Ben made some mistakes, but the way they played offense and defense throughout that game was very good. So definitely one of the more surprising games from the weekend, but something that certainly brings an interesting storyline into the divisional round matchup. So transitioning now to the first game of the divisional round matchup is going to be the Browns and the Chiefs game. Obviously, as we just mentioned, the Browns are off of a a little bit of a high. They have some momentum going into the game against the Chiefs. They're going to get Denzel Ward back for this game. They should get Betonio back and Stefanski should be back as well. But they're facing the Red Hot Chiefs right now. I wanted to get your take on this game, kind of how you feel the the momentum and how this game's going to shape up. So I feel, I feel like Cleveland kind of has like a similar situation of what they went into against the Steelers. And I'd probably even say a better situation just as far as, you know, a lot of people from week one have kind of penciled Kansas City into the Super Bowl on the AFC side. And you got the Browns who haven't made the playoffs in, in ages, you know, won their first playoff game in, in ages. They're just there to in, in enjoy the ride and the run. But I think they have a workable recipe 
to upset Kansas City because Kansas City doesn't necessarily have the strongest defense. Their secondary is okay. You know, Tyron Matthews, an all-pro player, but other than that, a lot of serviceable guys back there. The D-line isn't too, too crazy as long as you're able to kind of hold up on on Chris Jones. They just have a little bit, you know, a couple of, a, I would say, more so of an average pass, pass rush on that, that aspect. But it's definitely just a matchup of who can play their game the best. If Cleveland's able to run the ball and Baker doesn't turn the ball over, it definitely bodes well in their favor. If the Kansas City offensive line can do just enough so Mahomes can hit the big plays to uh, to Kelsey and, and Hill, it plays in their favor, but it's definitely going to be one of those kind of walking on eggshell kind of games because I think whoever has that first turnover is where you're really going to see the tides turn. I definitely feel like it's it's kind of it's it's impossible, not impossible, but it's really, really tough to bet against Kansas City. But I do believe that Cleveland has a very, very, very legit chance of upsetting the Chiefs just because, I mean, you got two top 10 running backs. And you you get one of your one of your best one of the best offensive linemen in the game back on your best offensive line in football, and as long as those guys hold up, you really can't you can't you can't do too much against that because then you control the ball, you control the pace, you make Kansas City play play your game, which is easier said than done. Uh, the biggest X factor um, is going to be the that secondary but miles garrett for sure he's gonna have to put his stamp on it as a as a pass rusher just to make mahomes uncomfortable and take advantage of that not so good kansas city offensive line yeah i think you're spot on the way the browns play ball control not turning the ball over running the ball controlling the clock and kind of time of possession and the pace of the game it's definitely a recipe that is probably the the worst matchup for the Chiefs in terms of play style. Kind of looking at, like you said, with getting Batonio back, you know, an all-pro guard, both top 10 running backs, the average defensive line for the Chiefs, just kind of how they've struggled on defense a little bit this year. I think the main key is going to be if they can kind of hold off on those Kansas City spurts because – the Chiefs are obviously going to hit some big plays. They're going to get some momentum. They're going to get a you know, long touchdown, long play to Tyreek or Kelsey, whatever it is. They're going to get those type of plays. But I think what we see in the in Chiefs games is that those kind of avalanche and they kind of just pile on top of each other. Like we saw in the playoffs last year, they were down 24 nothing to the Texans. You know, Texans had control of the game, but it was one big play after another Texans getting consistent three and outs, not being able to do anything. And we just saw the momentum completely shift. So looking at this game, obviously the Chiefs are going to hit their big plays. They're too good of an offense, too good of a team not to be able to to make those plays, especially with, you know, not a great secondary in the Browns, even though they're getting Ward back. It's still kind of slightly above average secondary. But I think the key is going to be if the Browns, in those situations after the big plays are able to kind of hold the ball, get some first downs, you know, flip the field a little bit or get down, score a field goal, keep Mahomes a little bit on the sideline so that you don't kind of let that avalanche, you don't let him get into that rhythm. Obviously the crowd's going to start to get into it in those situations. So it's one of these games where I won't be betting against the chiefs, but it would not surprise me in the slightest to see it be a one possession game in the fourth quarter. Obviously, I think in this situation, 
playoff experience is going to play a little bit with how much the Chiefs came back from behind last year, the ways they played in the playoff, that no fear, no flinch type of resolve that they have definitely gives them an advantage. But with how the Browns played last week, they certainly have a good chance if they continue to play free, continue to play like they did against the Steelers. You know, if they can get a turnover or two, kind of get a short field or something like that, it could spell troubles for the Chiefs. So now looking at the the second game on Saturday, the other AFC matchup is going to be the Bills and the Ravens game. I think it's one of the more interesting games of the weekend because of how the offenses have been playing as of late. I think since like week 11 or 12, these are probably the two hottest offenses in the league, at least in terms of regular season. We didn't see a huge burst from the the Bills against the Colts, and obviously the Ravens were, were slowed down by the Titans a little bit, but these are two of the most explosive offenses in the league. I'm expecting this game to be a little bit more of a shootout, probably both of them kind of in the 30s, maybe low 20s, but I wanted to get your take on this game. Colts defensive line being able to not they they didn't dominate but they definitely were able to do a lot of things that kind of made Josh Allen and the offense uncomfortable just seeing how that matchup went kind of bodes well in the favor for the Ravens for me just because I definitely do think they have a way stronger overall defensive line a lot more aggressive defensive coordinator in the way that they run these pressures is just the key is how disciplined said players are going to be when they run these blitzes and if they can, you know, corral Josh, Josh Allen, who is, you know, one of the tougher quarterbacks to get down and is pretty agile as well. So if they can be disciplined in their, in their blitzes and actually be able to hit home, I think that's going to be a major, major factor. The biggest matchup regardless though, is going to be Marlon, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters against Stephon Diggs, because I mean, he's been virtually uncoverable this, this season and has been a mismatch against most of the DBs that he's faced. So if they are, are able to kind of corral him and, you know, stop him from being the the, the big play guy, even though uh, he really didn't do too much against, against the Colts. And it was a lot of Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis that, that did a lot of the, the heavy lifting early on. But if they can, if they can win, that matchup, I think everything kind of bodes well in their favor just because they got the beef up front on the defensive line. So I don't expect Buffalo to be able to run the ball too, too well. And then Yannick is going to have to earn earn the money he wants. I mean, he's he's looking for a deal. He, he wants a deal. What better way than to step up in a major playoff game in Buffalo against the top three quarterback that kind of, you know, does you some favors, but they have the, the talent and the players up front to kind of stop Buffalo from being able to run the ball and be too, too successful in, in that front. And I just don't see the Bills defense having the speed. I'm not saying he's going to run wild, but I think just their overemphasis on trying to corral him is going to make things easier for other guys to, to do their part. And, um, Hollywood Brown kind of having a strong game as a receiver, I think was major for the confidence in the connection. So I kind of expect them to pick up where they left off against the Titans, but definitely going with Ravens in this one. You're spot on there. The The way the Colts play defense, they 
limited the run game for the Bills, so kind of forced Allen and the offense to play a little one-dimensional. I think the the Ravens have a similar philosophy in terms of you know how much they blitz, how aggressive they are, and how good that defensive line is. So I think Josh Allen won't be able to hold the ball like he does, you know, let routes develop like he has throughout this season. That's kind of where he really kills you. They're able to shut down the run game. That secondary, I think, is going to be able to hold up enough against the the passing attack and won't be able to let Josh Allen sit in the pocket for you know five, six seconds and kind of let him wait for stuff to develop because not only of the defensive line, but of the aggressive mindset of the Ravens defensive coordinator. So I also have the Ravens in this game, seeing how how well the the Ravens have not only been playing defense lately and how stout and sound they were last week, but just how explosive that offense is. I don't, like you said, I don't think they have the speed or the the guys on the outside to be able to contain that running attack, stay disciplined through all the, the options and the quarterback run. So I also have the Ravens in that game. Now looking at probably my favorite matchup of the weekend, it's going to be the Packers and the Rams. As I've mentioned before, I really like this Rams defense and the way that they it's kind of schemed up with Brandon Stately and the way they run the two high, obviously having stud players like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald help it. Having that scheme make it so that you can play one-on-one with Ramsey on your number one guy. In this situation, it's going to be Ramsey and Devontae playing one-on-one for the whole game. I'm super excited to watch this matchup. The way Rodgers in that offense has been playing, it's hard for me to root against them, especially with Goff and that offense, him having a bum finger and everything. I still expect the Packers to win this game, but I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I I don't think Rodgers is going to be able to do too much against that defense because they rely so much on the big play. I don't think Devontae is going to be able to do what he's been doing teams couldn't match up against Devontae one-on-one throughout this season, but finally have a matchup with a cornerback. They can play one-on-one consistently and follow Devontae around. So definitely think it's going to be a lower scoring game, but I don't see the Rams offense able to keep up with the Packers and be able to, to find a way to pull it out. So I still have the Packers, but I think it's going to be one of those very low scoring games and going to come down to a couple plays late. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning and 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 rocking in the same direction that you are on on, on this matchup. I just kind of did a quick little little search, and it's it's looking like snow is expected for 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 this matchup in in Green Bay, which doesn't I mean it plays into the favor of the Packers for sure, and kind of makes me less likely to pick the Rams just because you know Jared Goff, small hands, cold cold weather. Doesn't hasn't really played too much and hasn't really played well when it comes to him in in, in cold weather games. So it's just like e- easy money if you were bet- betting on the Packers. But it's just something about that Rams defense that just makes me, you know, makes me nervous because I feel like with all the teams left in the NFC, they're by far the worst matchup for everybody across the board. The key is just a question mark at quarterback. I mean, I think given the snow and the Packers kind of not so consistent run defense when you have a guy who I'm very, very high on, especially after seeing the way he performed as, you know, late in the season and against Seattle. I think Cam Akers has that un- unreal game-breaking burst to where 
you know, he just needs a, a, a slight seam. So it's 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 definitely a, a little bit of a closer matchup. I don't trust too much of the Packers' weapons in that kind of weather outside of Adams. And it's really going to be a chess chess piece between offense and defense with the way they match up and they like to move Adams around a lot. So just seeing how they're going to combat that is going to be extremely, extremely interesting. You know, Rodgers is always playing the chess games when looking at the defense, trying to identify the pressures, but it's just who is going to be the star player that steps up. And I just think, you know, Rodgers has just been having one of those, one of those years. And I know he's had a couple of these kind of years where things have fizzled out for him in, in the playoffs, but something just feels a little different about this year. And I just don't believe enough in golf to make enough plays in order for his team to be successful. And I just don't see Rodgers making enough mistakes in order for the Rams to be in a deficit. So I think it's going to be rather, rather close, but um, I think Rams might pick up a late score to make the you know score look a little bit better than what it does. But I'm I'm picking. I think you know Packers win by by ten. But um, same principles with the the Chiefs game. I would not be surprised if there is an an upset just because you know matchup wise offense and 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 defense. But yeah, definitely definitely I'm I'm picking the picking the Packers Packers in this one. In terms of looking at your point with the chess match, the coordinators are going to play. Lafleur is a really good offensive mind. He's been finding great ways to get guys open, scheme guys open. Aaron Jones has been utilized in a really good way. Um, he's been super explosive this year. So seeing how Lafleur dials up ways to kind of find holes in this defense and seeing how Staley's going to be able to try and counter it. it it's definitely one of the, the more interesting chess matches. This is probably the, the most interesting matchup I'm most looking forward to watching this, this weekend. So definitely going to be very locked into this game. But now looking at the final game of that day, we got the last NFC game between the Saints and the Bucks interested in this game and wanted to get your your take and how you felt like this was going to shape up um just kind of going off of their their two initial matchups during during the season saints definitely have the pass rush to be able to get after and and hit brady and you know that's always the the kryptonite when it is to complain a brady led team you hit them early you hit them often you you kind of knock them off his game and make them uncomfortable um, Saints are getting Hendrickson back, so I think that's going to be major. Um, he was a top five sack guy on the season, I believe. Um, Cam Jordan's due for for a big game, and I just feel like the Saints, if there's any matchups that they really have stood up for this season, when they've seen that Tampa Bay team across from them, it's just you know that's it, it lights it lights a fire up under them. Um, you always got the Lattimore and Evans matchup, which has been heated year in and and, and year out. Um, you got Malcolm Jenkins, who's a who's a fiery in, individual. So I'm not really worried too much about the Saints' defense. The biggest thing that worries me is just how how that offense is 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 going to stack up. I mean, they kind of you know lulled their way through a crappy Bears team that just didn't play like they wanted to 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 be there and let's see how they do against a Brady team defense that knows what it is that they're in the playoffs for so I definitely think that's going to be the the biggest matchup is how 
how Breeze looks against against this Buccaneers defense. And hopefully they limit the Taysom Hill package to him just being a runner and receiver. Um, I feel like as soon as they put him in and throw the ball, that something just catastrophic is going to happen in favor of the opposing team. But, uh, yeah, Breeze is just going to have to be dialed in and just take what the defense gives him and, you know, lean on lean on his guys. You know, Deontay Harris was making a lot of plays against Chicago, and if he's able to pick that up, um, it shouldn't be an issue. But, unfortunately, I do have to uh, – and I, I don't really like either of these teams, but uh, I definitely – Definitely got to I'm, – I'm, I'm leaning with the Saints, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. That's a good point you made about the kind of how they sleepwalk through the Bears. There's going to be a lot more pressure on the offense this game because they know that Brady can score. Brady's going to make a lot more plays. He's going to move the ball, obviously, a lot better than Trubisky did. In the game they played against the Bears – it was clear that the offense didn't look worried in terms of play calling. They didn't really force it too much. They just kind of, you know, played a game, not make mistakes towards the end of the game. Obviously, against the Bears offense, it was very below average. That's kind of a way you can play. You don't need to do too much. You just kind of didn't want to make any mistakes. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how Breeze handles that pressure a little bit. This is probably his last real chance at a Super Bowl. So I think the pressure is going to be on him more than Brady. Obviously, he's going to be at home. I definitely think that the Saints D will be able to make enough plays in terms of getting pressure on Brady. And they have the secondary to hold up in the back end to be able to make enough plays so that Breeze isn't forced to score 30 plus points during the game. I think the the Saints office is going to have its way with that Bucks defense. I think there's a lot of holes there. And with how Kamara has been running the ball, getting Michael Thomas back, you know, second game healthy, you know, be a little healthier, getting a little better rhythm. I think obviously with how Harris has been playing Sanders has been playing uh, I just think that that offense is is going to do a little too much for for the Bucks to keep up with so I also have the Saints in that game just recapping our picks we both have the Chiefs we both have the Ravens we both have the Packers and we both have the Saints all right so same same picks as last week definitely both in the same train of thought in that yeah, hopefully it, it, it bodes a lot better for us this this week than it than it did last. I'm 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 really excited for 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 all of these matchups, but I just, I just got this feeling where I think Brady's gonna look shell shocked, man, with the way the Saints are the Saints are gonna are gonna come out. I mean, hard to imagine a Tom Brady led team being beat three times in a, in a row by the same team in the same season but I just feel like it's just one of those one of those years where you know the Saints this is the Saints best opportunity to kind of close in on that Super Bowl that they feel like they've missed out on the on the last last couple of couple of seasons Um, they got the defense to do so and I think this is going to be one of those games where they legitimately unleash Alvin Kamara and they kind of let you see why they put him on the shelf so often throughout the season touch Wise is just for moments like this, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for this upcoming upcoming weekend of football. As I'm always excited for football. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Breeze's last home playoff game, so that you know might provide a little bit of extra motivation and juice for not only him but the team around him, knowing that this kind of most likely his last real chance at a Super Bowl. So, like you said going to be a really fun weekend of football a lot of really good matchups Um, I think it's going to be a bunch of close games with interesting storylines before we wrap it up do you have anything else you want to add 
Um, I'm excited for this head coaching search. Um, nothing against Dougie P. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the dude, happy for the Super Bowl, but it, it, it's, it's time for something new. And um, hopefully I can dive into some more basketball so we can kind of get a little bit better and, and more in-depth on, on that, especially after a hard move. I think the season's about to start picking up in a in a good way as teams kind of start to make their moves and kind of feel their way through the season. But um, 2021 is off to a pretty entertaining start, and I hope it kind of you know continues at, at, at its level and we just keep moving. Well said. I want to thank you guys again for tuning into the podcast. We appreciate all the ratings and reviews you've given us. Got a lot of good feedback from people. People are enjoying it so far. So really glad to hear and happy to hear it. If you have any suggestions or ideas about segments or what we want to talk about it, just hit our line. We're always on Twitter, either the, the Twitter account or our own personal ones. We're always checking it. So just let us know. We appreciate all the feedback. And as always, we move.